to the B2B Marketing and Copywriting Podcast. I'm your host, Linda Malone, Certified Conversion Copywriter and Copy Strategist. Join me each week as I speak with experts in the fields of marketing, copywriting, decision-making, psychology, and more, all with one goal, to help you attract your ideal customers and inspire them to take action. My guest today is Ashley Fout. Ashley is Director of Integrated Product Marketing at Alassian, a collaboration software maker on a mission to unleash the power of every team. She is also a marketer, a writer, a speaker by day, and a singer, actor, and fitness fiend by night. So her work has been featured in Time, Ford, in the Journal of Brand Strategy, and she shared insights with audiences at the Harvard Business Review, Inbound, and Marketing Prop. In today's interview, Ashley talks about what is the social media spectrum? And how can that inform strategy as teams head into 2023? Also, what's the biggest mistake that she sees in companies on LinkedIn? And, and this is a huge question, is there a perfect mix of content between the author, the algorithm, and audience focus? Hey, Ashley, thank you so much for taking time to talk to me today. I'm so excited to talk to you. This is going to be fun. Yeah, I'm excited too. This will be uh, this will be a good one. Yeah, and we have to start with, first of all, we have a lot of things in common. Like I was looking over your bio and the, the fact that uh, it's such like an oxymoron, oxymoron, counterintuitive. We're yeah. both like are into baking. Well, I'm not into it anymore. I guess that's something you've started. And that's how we actually started talking on LinkedIn is you post yeah. like, hey, and you had this beautiful cake. I was like, I used to be a professional baker you're like what <laughs> i know i know and then we get on and it's like yeah and i also did like personal training and then yeah it's, it's crazy we we i think we've been like chasing each other around in the universe <laughs> parallel lives exactly exactly i just read a book actually um called maybe in another life and the way it was told was basically like this one night the choice to either stay out or go home completely changed the trajectory. And so the, the chapters basically alternated between the timelines of what happened, depending on the choice. So, yeah. Well, I've always had this thing where I have a rule, a personal rule where if something isn't fun, I'm not doing it. And like, I will do things in 110%. Like when I was into the whole baking thing back, you know, way years ago, I, I had hundreds of cookbooks and I taught baking classes and I was so into it. Now, nothing. I mean, I, yeah, I care less about. Well, you were you started it during the the pandemic, right? Yeah, yeah, during quarantine, I picked it up. So I've only been doing it for I guess maybe around two years now, or a year and a half now, something like that. So yeah, I picked it up during the pandemic. So it's funny, and for me, it's just a hobby. So maybe that's why I haven't gotten quite so uh, burnt out on it yet. I'm not quite at a uh, cooking, ba- teaching baking classes yet. So you, you know what though? Whenever you have a hobby that you really enjoy, like because so for me it was baking, then it was fun. Then I turned it into business and all of a sudden it wasn't so fun. And fitness, I was always into fitness. I became a trainer and now I, I train myself, but I'm not like into that anymore. I mean, do you find that like you just kind of, you take something or do you work as a personal trainer too? Or did you? No, no. So one time years ago, I got into my head, I was taking this boot camp class that I loved and the guy who was teaching it got into like chiropractic school. So he was going to move away. And all of us were so sad because we were like dedicated. This guy was an amazing teacher. 
And so I decided, I was like, well, if we just need a teacher, I can teach this class. And so, but it was a corporate gym. So they wanted me to like do all these other classes and everything. And then it turned out that I was traveling a lot for work. And so I was getting all of these people calling to be like, can you take my shift for cycling? Can you take my shift for bar? And I'm like, no, I literally just wanted to teach this boot camp class because the guy was leaving, right? So that was my one foray that I, I literally, I never taught a class, so... Yeah. So no, now I just trained myself. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. Because you're better off. Because the reason I got out of fitness training was just because most people say they want to be in shape, but then they don't want to do the work. And and I had been consistent for over 40 years working out hard. And, it, you know, people come up to me and ask me, not so much now, but, you know, at the gym, like, how do you do it? It's like, you, and I'm thinking to myself, I would never say it to somebody. No, it's like, you're not, you're not going to do this. I just know you're not. So what do you even ask? It's a lot of work and it's hard. But speaking of fitness, so what people are into fitness, like the beginning of the year is always a time when everyone's like, that's when the gyms explode with memberships and within three weeks, everyone's gone. But the same thing with content and like social media, I'm in personally, I'm thinking of what I can do in 2023. Doesn't that sound like a futuristic I know. It's, it's so weird to be talking about it. It feels like it's so far away, but it's like, nope, that's in three weeks. Like, right. But even like, I remember going to a party in 1999 when it was turning 2000 and everyone's like, oh, planes are going to fall out of the sky. And, so, and that was like 23 years ago. So yeah. it's crazy. So as far as the social media spectrum, how can that inform strategy, you know, as teams head into 2023? So I'm seeing this a lot too. This conversation is coming up about how to do more with less, right? Like macroeconomic climate, a lot of companies are tightening their belts. A lot of teams are running a lot leaner. And I think that one thing that I've talked about with the social media spectrum, it's basically this concept of moving away from that one-way broadcast where the companies are just bombarding you with, I have a webinar, I have an event, I want an award, I'm hiring, right? It's like, that's great for you, but what is it, what's in it for me? You know, a lot of companies are realizing that they can't keep, keep doing only one-way broadcast content. They've started to move into this two-way conversation, but it's still very much, I've got stuff to say, you can talk occasionally. But what the most advanced brands are doing is they're figuring out how to be more community focused and how to be part of that conversation. And as part of that, enabling their customers, enabling their fans, enabling their employees to be the ones that are going out and having these conversations. And it doesn't always have to be, as an example, I talk about Atlassian stuff on my personal feed, but I don't always tag them. I'll say stuff like, oh, my manager did this and it was really great. Or, oh, my team has this ritual and it, it really helps us stay on track. Other people then come into the comments and say, wow, Atlassian sounds like a great place to work. Or wow, it sounds like you have a really great team at Atlassian. You know, and so that's a place where I have been empowered as an employee to speak and give that halo to the brand without them having to be at mentioned and engaged and all of that. And of course, they sometimes I do tag them. Sometimes they do engage with my content. But as you're thinking about that new year and thinking about, okay, how do we empower our community? at large, to be the ones that are engaged in conversations that we care about, not just running around being like, Atlassian, Atlassian, Atlassian. It's like, right. okay, why are you so, you're kind of a corporate shill. Don't be that way, right? Yeah. And that makes so much sense. And it's funny because I'm a sales navigator and I follow like companies and I follow people, but I look at the companies because I look at the people that I want to connect with. But a lot of times what they're posting is announcements. 
It's like, I can't comment. I don't know these people. You know, I'd, I'd like to, I mean, I'd like to connect, but there's nothing for me to connect with. And so I, I latch onto when someone talks about like what you said, you know, just something within the team or a new strategy. Even though I don't work for a company, I can at least relate to some of the things that, that they're talking about. And I think it's important because it, it puts like a personality behind it too. Yeah. That, well, it's, it's interesting because, you know, you and I started talking about how we connected over baking. And obviously we have professional connections, like you're doing a lot of the copywriting stuff and a lot of the strategy about how to think about ways to improve conversion and ways to draw people in and gain attention. I obviously care about that as a marketer as well. And so, yes, we have connected on professional things. But the thing that actually finally got us on our first Zoom call was talking about baking. And I was like, okay, do you have tips for me? Because actually, right, we got to talking about that. So that's, I think, I think your point about giving something to grab onto, like, if I'm just constantly talking about what's going on internally, like, what are you going to say about that? You have no context. You don't really have any skin in the game. So what is there for us to to start a relationship on if that's the only thing that I'm talking about or the only thing that my company is talking about, right? Like this is another thing where, great, you've connected with me. Now, if you go to the Atlassian company page and all you see are just announcement, 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 you're kind of like, okay, well, I can connect with Ashley about cakes and copywriting, but... I can't relate to, yeah, the other... Yeah, relate yeah. to Atlassian, right? Like, so, so empowering the people to have that bridge and it be those bridge builders for you. I think that's something that maybe that could be a New Year's resolution for some of the companies is like, get out of that megaphone or one-way broadcast, even getting out of that two-way conversation and get into that multi-way, multi-value add, omni-channel community space. It's even like I posted about this on LinkedIn. When I started several years ago, when I switched from content writing to copywriting, the first people to hire me were my friends who had a business. They didn't know anything about copywriting or what my abilities were. I didn't have any testimonials yet. I didn't have any social proof at all. But they hired me because they trusted me and they knew me and they knew me on a personal level. So that's still, that hasn't changed just because you're a business. Yeah. That's what I see most too about websites. The websites that are very cold looking or maybe just have a building up there. It's like, don't you have people that are working there. Yeah. Do you see that a lot? Like on LinkedIn. So some of the mistakes that that these companies make on LinkedIn, you kind of cover, you touch on them. So what are some of the other things that you see that could be better? Yeah. I think from like zooming all the way up to the high level strategy, the idea that the employees are going to be equipped by the company to like tell the company message I think that's a completely backward strategy. I don't think that the company should be the ones telling the employees what to share, how to share. Same thing on customer stories, right? Like I see this a lot. Fortunately, not at Atlassian. We're great about going and being like, customer, what story do you have to tell? How do you want to tell it? But I've definitely seen this at at other organizations and in the past where it's like, I'm going to write a customer story and then I'm going to find the customer who like embodies that story. Like, I don't really know how you're going to write a customer story without talking to a customer and having the customer tell you their story, right? Or or I have this template and it's, you know, company X was facing, insert very specific value proposition that, we've already <laughs> that we really want to sell, right? And you're like... Like a Mad Lib. Yeah, yeah, it's like a Mad Lib. And so all you end up with these really shallow case studies. And I think that um, what I've seen both in terms of how 
employees can be out there giving a halo to the brand, how customers and fans can be out there giving a halo to the brand. That is where the strategy should start is what are the stories that are already out in the market? What are the values that are already out in the market? What is the perception that's already out in the market? How do we harness that and enable that and empower that? Not, we've decided that our brand campaign in Q1 of 2023 is for employees to share this or to send social media assets to our customers. I mean, why, why would they want to post that, right? So I think that's the biggest thing is it's actually more of a strategy that's wrong. Like the tactics can change. As, as we've seen, I don't know if you read Richard Vanderblom's algorithm report. He just came out with it maybe a month ago at this point. And it's phenomenal. It's like 60 pages and it's got all of this nitty gritty stuff about the algorithm, about comments and engagement and times to post and types of content, all of this nitty gritty stuff. That information changes fairly regularly. I think he releases that report once, twice, three times a year. But the strategy in those relationships, that's the thing that doesn't change. And so it's hard once you make that mindset shift. But yeah, you can change the tactics. Oh, video is doing well. Oh, live streaming is doing well. Text is doing well. All of that stuff changes, but it's the core focus on empowering the community, which includes your partners. It includes your executives. It includes includes frontline employees, it includes customers, it includes fans, users, right? Like the buyers and the users are different. That I think is the the core of the biggest mistakes. Like there's plenty of nitty gritty things that I see where I'm just like, ah, the share button, it's still really useless. Like it's getting better, but people, if you only get one click, make it a like, not a share. That's what I tell folks internally because the like will boost the post more then the share, hitting that share button will. If you're willing to get more clicks, then like, great, make it a comment or write an original post versus, again, the share functionality, unfortunately, doesn't have the same type of reach that those other actions do. And it changes constantly. I mean, a year ago, polls were the huge thing to the point where everyone's like, enough. I haven't seen a poll posted in I don't know how long. Yeah. My biggest, what, whenever I needed or wanted like, and it's a vanity metric, I wanted a lot of likes, I'm just going to post a poll. And I would get like tens of thousands, you know, and that was the only time that I got that sort of reach. But now if I, I, a while ago, I did a poll and didn't, and it's always a marketing thing. It's never anything just like, oh, what do you put in your coffee? I mean, I always do try to get information that I could use, you know, and yeah. It, it doesn't, they're not pushing them out as much. And so yeah. now the big thing is video. That'll be the, the next minute. But it's funny what you said, because you reminded me there's a lot of, a lot of not templates necessarily, but different social media software that's coming out that's enabling you to, to write faster and to do, you know, create viral posts. So I've been, in fact, I'm going to post on this. I'm going to get a little bit more specific in my post, but like I've looked at them and to me, like I, I, there's one in particular I'm thinking of it. Everyone's like, oh, this is like, it's Taplio. And you, you get on there and you can, it's interesting because you can put in, what do you want? What's the viral content around whatever copywriting for me? Yeah. And I'm looking at it and all of the posts start to sound alike. And then I go onto LinkedIn and I see a lot of people using the, you have to change it around because they don't let you plagiarize, but everyone starts to sound alike. And I think that's the danger of doing that sort of thing and, and telling people what they have to post, you know, is another kind of version of that. Yeah, it's interesting. I, because I, I've seen this a lot where people 
you either, you see it on two ends of the spectrum. You either see people saying five simple steps to build your LinkedIn presence. Step one, be consistent. Step two, find your target audience. I'm like, five <laughs> steps to literally do anything. Right. Set a goal. <laughs> yeah. That's, you know, or you see these very nitty gritty specific things where it's almost like the mad lib or the template. And you can just tell that it's very formulaic. I mean, this is true in storytelling, right? Like there's a, there's a bunch of different types of opens. One of them is the cold open where you just get dropped into the action. And I figured out, I'm like, I hate the cold open. It's just it's so contrived to me that it's like, you mean on a boat down the hall and I'm late for a meeting and I'm like, which hall? What meeting? What are you? Who, who are you? Are you like, are you the narrator? Are you the main character? Like, I have no idea who you are, why you're running to a meeting, which whole way. I don't know and I don't care yet, right? So right. like, for me, I don't like the cold opens, but I see that sometimes with, with the hooks on LinkedIn and mm -hmm. like tweet threads. I see it as well, where there's a very specific X number of people do this thing wrong. Here's 10 ways to do it right. And then it's a threat, right? Like that's also another common, I, I don't know. I just feel like sometimes things get kind of like a trope. Yeah. And you just see it over and over. And then it, I don't know. I don't, I feel allergic to it. I much prefer to let, I spoke know. to a woman quite a while ago who actually produces, I think she worked for, not MTV, but she did like script writing. And she told me that it's ruined her ability to watch movies because she said there's formulas. And she goes, I know what's going to happen. And they're going to do this and they're going to come back. And they're gonna, And she said, I, I have a really hard time enjoying a movie anymore because I know. And, yeah. and I thought about that and I, you know, I'm not the type of writer that does that. I mean, my formulas are copywriting formulas, so it's a little bit different. I can spot the copywriting formulas, but it's not like it's going to change anything for me. It's copywriting. Yeah. But if it was a story, I could see how that would, because you kind of know, yeah. even just the casual movie goer, or, you know, somebody who watches movies, you know, when you think it's over, it's not over. And, you know, yeah. okay, how much time is left? It's like, okay, so there's going to end and it's not. It, it does get predictable, even if you're not, you know, in the movie writing business, but yeah, still, yeah. Well, so when you talk about like algorithm and the author and the audience, is there like a perfect mix? Because it seems like there's, it's always changed. Yeah. So I just threw that, that little alliteration assessment out a couple of days ago. And within 24 hours, I've actually changed my mindset on it because a number of commenters came back and they're like, what about this? What about this? And I was like, good point. Like the way that I had framed it up and the, the comment that actually, or I guess somebody else's post that sparked that comment was basically talking about how there is so much self-serving content on LinkedIn, on people's blogs, on Twitter, that everything is very much like, all about me or all about the company. And instead it should be serving the audience. Right. And it was also talking about how just, just because something like a post goes viral doesn't mean that it's actually adding value to the audience. And it kind of in my head, I was like, oh yeah, that's like author, algorithm and audience. It should always be the audience. But so I actually decided, I was like, I'm going to go back through my own posts and see like what the balance is, how often, because I know, I mean, we all do it. Just like you've said, you're like, oh, anytime I want you know, to boost my vanity metrics, I would post a poll, right? Like, I know full well, there are certain things that will skyrocket the reach or skyrocket, you know, the engagement. The quality of that reach and engagement is a different issue, right? So I went back through my posts and 
found some things where it was very clearly author content. Like one of them, it was actually about cakes. And I literally put the copy was like, I made these cakes. I'm proud of them. Like, that's it. That's the best. And then in parentheses, I was like, make whatever connections to business lessons that you want to make you feel like this belongs on LinkedIn, right? Like, is that the one where I responded? Is that the first one? It might have been. But then see, this is the funny part, right? Like multiple people were like, well, author-focused content is a way for people to get to know you. And so it, it makes it feel more personal. And I now I'm going to have to go back and see if that's the post where you put that picture in from like yeah. back in the day when you were like heavy into baking. Yeah. Because that's a perfect example of why my mindset is shifting because you and I wouldn't have made such a strong connection if I hadn't put that out there for my, you know, as a thing about me and for you to then be able to grab on that and be like, oh my gosh, like, We've kind of been passing each other in the feed like this. And now all of a sudden we have something where we can really get together. So I've actually shifted my thinking. I I don't think there's a perfect mix. I do think most of the content should be audience led. I do think that if something is going to be author centric, then and Michelle J. Raymond actually posted an excellent comment that helped me kind of shift my thinking on this. Her comment was, um, will this post help me build a relationship? And so even if it is something that's about me, is it something that somebody else may find common ground? And so it builds that trust or it builds that relationship. Is this something that builds credibility? You know, if I talk about, uh, again, recently I, I hit my five-year anniversary in Atlassian. So I posted about that. That then gives me the credibility if somebody's asking me, hey, I'm applying for a job there. What's the culture like? Hey, I'm looking for my next move. Are there growth opportunities at Atlassian? That post is something I can point back to and say, here's, here's what I've experienced since I've been there. And now I can say that, you know, and it gives some credibility, right? If I'm hiring or saying, join my team, for example. And then the algorithm posts a couple that I found. Some of them were literally like LinkedIn loves when you talk about LinkedIn. I've heard that. Yeah. 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 Because of course, right? If you're like, oh, this is what works on LinkedIn. Of course, LinkedIn is like, good job. You're talking about us. It's like in sales when you use a person's name over and over. Exactly. The LinkedIn bot or whatever is like, oh, they're talking about me. They're talking about it. Yeah. It's like lights up. So, but that can be useful. That could be for maybe somebody who's new to LinkedIn that doesn't know kind of how things work or they're just getting started. That information is actually useful. The fact that it also happens to improve reach or improve engagement. You know, I posted something. There was one where I was wearing like a glittery face mask. And so I had a selfie picture with the glittery face mask. And I was going to go, I was speaking at Slack Frontier. So I tagged Slack and I used the Frontiers hashtag. That is freaking algorithm gold. A selfie that's like kind of weird, hanging a big brand for their event. Like, and of course that post did very well for me. Numbers wise, if you look at my average, that post is probably in my top 10 for reach. So because Slack engaged with it and obviously it did really well, but it also humorously ended up being somebody was like, oh my gosh, I love face masks. And that one looks amazing. Where did you get it? So I put a link in for where they could buy it. And they bought it. They put a picture in the thread of them like oh. holding their mask, right? So now you're an influencer. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I said. It was like, of all the things I'm apparently a face mask influencer. Like, that is fudge. Now, did you do that strategically? When when you use that mask, did you say, oh, this would be a good, good opportunity? Or was it sort of like you're goofing around and you thought, I'll just post this? Or was it? Oh, no, I definitely thought about it. Whenever I brought the mask because I was traveling for a long time, like I knew my skin was going to be dry. So I had brought the mask. But then... Mentally, I was like, okay, 
how am I going to craft a LinkedIn post? Like I have to post this. How am I going to craft the post? And then I ended up doing it. I basically did a, a follow-up when I was speaking at Inbound. And I was like, apparently I have a tradition now where I'm like doing this mask, right? So I've done three posts in that style and all of them do well. And your skin has never been better. <laughs> and my skin is glowing, right? <laughs> it's so funny because I think of that stuff like, when I get my hair done and I got foils in it and stuff. And sometimes I was sitting there and it's like, I get bored. I wonder if I took a self, but I'm so self-conscious, you know, I'm just, it's just me. And I'm such an introvert when it comes to that stuff. And that's the thing too, is I never know how far to go. Like there was somebody who posted about hating cats. Now I, I understand people are cat, people are dog people, or maybe they don't like, but to put that on, LinkedIn, this was a couple of years ago now, I unfollowed her because I have worked rescuing cats. I have two rescue cats. Yeah. And it just got me in such a way that, and I, because I think about that for myself and I think, well, I don't want to post something that is going to be really polarizing. To me, I don't know why you would put something like that up anyway, even if yeah. you did it. I, I can respect people's feelings, but why would you put that on a LinkedIn post, you know? Yeah. So yeah. do you have like I rules about like, how do you know? Yeah. So my my general rule on that kind of stuff of like vulnerable posts or, or personal posts, I try really hard not to put the negative stuff out there. Yeah. Every so often I'll put something out where it's just like, listen, we all get frustrated or bored or tired on the journey. Like that's the thing that happens. But in general, I prefer to put things out that are more almost kind of like truthful or like peek behind the curtain, like the face mask thing, right? Like it was so funny. <laughs> Several of the, I had a couple of guys come and they're like, what am I, what am I looking at here? <laughs> Stay on your face. Like what is this? And it, and so it was more the stuff that I, for me, that line of personal is more, is this something that lots of people do, but nobody really talks about? Or is this something that will make you smile or just looks ridiculous? I mean, face masks look real ridiculous. Like they just do. They're real weird, you know? And so that's something like that where it's like, and and I heard a number of people DM'd me and were like, I'm, thank you for sharing that you have a pre- conference routine. Like I'm so nervous. And I thought I was the only person that had to like, prepare to step on stage and you speak all the time, but you take time to like get in the zone. That makes me feel like I'm not crazy that I need time to take to get in the zone, right? So that's where I try to draw the line is like, I don't really want to bring all the cat haters to my timeline. Like, I don't, I don't need that energy in my life. I would rather have the energy of like, oh, if you like face masks, let me recommend this face mask to you. Like, what are things that I actually would be personally interested in and that would have some sort of solidarity or humor or something like that? Like, I don't, I try really hard not to just rant. Every so often I'll be like, full on rant. What is this nonsense, right? But the most part, especially personal posts, I really try hard to keep that on the lighter side whenever possible. And that makes sense. And I remember years ago reading how on Facebook they did some kind of research or survey and they showed that people, negative posts were way less engaged, like people engaged way less with negative than positive, which now that I think about the posts I see on Facebook, kind of surprising because it's so toxic. I'm never on there. Yeah. I just, yeah. I mean, the littlest thing turns into like argument over politics. Oh yeah. I don't have time for it. 
Well, if you're just, so say somebody says, okay, in 2023, I'm going to get started on LinkedIn and I'm brand new. What would you suggest? Sure. So first thing to get started, I would say is commenting. So go to some folks where you already have a good relationship, you know, they're posting again, connect with Linda, connect with me. We both post regularly. In theory, if you're in marketing, our stuff is relevant to you. Comment. And that's a great way for you to just start getting in the habit of having thoughts, putting those thoughts out into the world, engaging in the discussion. And especially with friendlies, again, you and I are great examples. We respond to the comments. It gives you that nice little validation. Like, okay, I posted something. The author responded. Great. So that's the first thing. And I would, I would say that the big key to that is leaving value-added comments, not just saying, oh, I agree. Oh, great post. Love this. Like, no. Do you have thoughts on this, right? Like, again, how would I have shifted my thinking if everyone was just like, I agree, I disagree. Okay, well, why do you agree or why do you disagree? Like, help me help me move forward in my thinking as well. So that's the first thing is comment. The nice thing about value-added comments is then that allows you potentially turn those into your own posts. Mm-hmm. So I've done that a ton. It saves me time. I, I again, from an out program standpoint, the algorithm likes to see that you're engaging. And if I've left the value-added post, maybe that's something that I can then turn into an original post in my own timeline. So those are two things, the commenting. The other thing, and this is kind of a pair, if you're just starting to post original content, is share a question that you asked today and then share a question that you answered today. And so I'm convinced people create content all day, every day but it's trapped in Slack messages, it's trapped on whiteboards, it's trapped in email, it's trapped in conversations. And so if you look back and you think about what's something that somebody asked you and you gave an answer and you may be like, well, I don't know. I mean, somebody just asked me like, what time is this meeting today? All right, how can you turn that into a post of why didn't they already know? Why are you the person that knows? Why do they think you're the person that knows the meeting? Are you the organizer? Are they new to the team? Great. How do you think about onboarding documents to make sure that that new people get added into weekly team meetings, right? Like that's a way that you could translate what time is the meeting into an actionable post. And then same thing for a question that you asked today. And that could be asking your kids, how was school? Okay, what does it look like to be a working parent? How do you balance that? Let's talk about work-life balance. Let's talk about benefits. Let's talk about explaining things at different levels of people. And that's how you could translate potentially something around a question you asked today into a meeting post. So those would be my three tips. It would be start with the commenting and leave value out of comments. And then question you asked and a question you answered. That's great. And it's so, when you put it that way, it's so easy. It's like, well, because the first, you know, the first reaction would be, yeah, I I was asked what time the meeting was. How am I going to possibly... Instead of like immediately going to, oh, I can't just like stop for a second and think. And that's even like as a writer and as a copywriter, I'm always looking for those kind of offshoots of take this one piece. But you just reminded me I need to go back because I I do leave value added comments because I would rather do that than post my own stuff. But I know the comments, the comments are easier for me because it's even like with my humor, like I'm funniest when I'm with somebody else who I can like a straight person. Like I have like friends of mine who just feed me stuff without even knowing about it. And yeah, they think I'm hilarious because, but it's it's because of that. Because they gave me this stuff that I'm like, what, what do you mean? You know? So it's almost like that with the comments. Like I'd rather respond than to come up with something new, but well, this has just been great. And so tell me like, 
Where can people find you and find out more about you and what you do? Uh, I think it will all be shocked to say, find me on LinkedIn, uh, <laughs> given how much we've been talking about this. That's I I do have a Twitter account. I was never, I've never been very good at Twitter. Like, like I just don't think in that quickie way. And now with that platform finding itself again, I have been less active there. But if you are a Twitter person, you can find me on Twitter. I will, I will, I hang out there some. But yeah, primarily on LinkedIn is the best place to find me. That's awesome. Well, thanks so much, Ashley. I really appreciate your time today. Yeah, it's a fun conversation. Thanks for having me. 